Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. We're in the last Sunday of winter. We're ready to springboard into spring. It feels like spring at the moment because we had great racing right around Australia yesterday, particularly at Caulfield with the Group 1 Memsey. Ben Dorries is joining me. How are you? Yeah, we're going good. A nice little... Uh day on the punt, which is pretty well, pretty rare, very, very rare for me yesterday, so something for a battling journo and his wife and kids. For Brisbane listeners, I see all these people with T-shirts, Bridge to Brisbane, as I was negotiating the traffic this morning. The only Bridge to Brisbane I know is from the Story Bridge Hotel, going to come back to the city. <laughs> well, you know what? Someone told me, and it's always stuck with me about 20 years ago, that runners, if you run you know, consistently every day, every second day, you might live a year longer. But really, when you work it out, you spend that year running. So what's the bloody point? <laughs> I don't get it. Exactly. Anyway, to all the Bridge to Brisbane runners, good morning to you. Hope you've had a very <laughs> good run this morning. I'll look at it next year. Look, uh, we're going to um, firstly concentrate on Caulfield. We'll go to Rose Hill yesterday. They had two Group 3s there with a bit of Queensland interest. Of course, Eagle Farm race yesterday, rather a controversial finish to the day. It was Leon McDonald's Stakes Day at Morfordville, appropriately... The Leon McDonald and Andrew Lewis trained Dallas and won the race. We'll have a listen to the Cairns Cup as well. They had a huge crowd there yesterday at Cannon Park. Let's kick off. Let's go to the group one, the Memsey. Great field on paper, and it was a very, very good betting race. Here's the action. So with 500 metres to go, Snap Dancer is the leader in the million dollar Memsey. By three quarters of a length to call sign Mav. Western Empire peels three wide. Lightsaber the inside, then Tafane. Alligator Blood is tracking up behind those, then Dragon Leap. And I'm thunderstruck to the outside. Snap Dancer went for home though. 200 metres to go. Two and a half lengths in front of Western Empire. Call sign Mav. I'm thunderstruck and Dragon Leap. But Snap Dancer, 100 metres to go, still clear. I'm thunderstruck. We're it down. Snap Dancer needs the line, but won it. Snap Dancer and Neck, I'm Thunderstruck. Cascadian for fourth a photo. Western Empire or Dragon Leap. Then came Alligator Blood, Call Sign Mav, Nonconformist, Elephant Lightsaber. Well back in the field, Tafane, Zarek, Dewis, and Elation a long way back. Snap Dancer, expertly controlled up front by Ethan Brown, takes another group one there yesterday. From an owner's point of view, if you can win a race, it's it's great. If you can win a Group 1, few will achieve that. But what about when you win a Group 1 on your birthday? Brad Spicer did that. He's our first guest this morning. Brad, good morning. Happy birthday for yesterday. Congratulations as well. Yeah, morning. Thank you. Uh, it was a super day. One uh, that's going to be etched in my memory forever, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just a very exciting moment you know, for all the ownership group. This mare never runs a bad race, and now she's she's right at the top level. Kieran Mark made a good point after the race, though, in analysing that field yesterday. He said that residual fitness she had played an important part. She, she of course, ran in the tiara during our carnival up here only two months ago. But just having that residual fitness, I think, played a strong hand there yesterday. Yeah, for sure. You know, she hasn't been out of work, I think, since last September. So uh, Kieran and Dave have done a you know, great job placing her and freshening her up for these you know, races and she just keeps getting better and better. So uh, hopefully uh, next uh, start she does the same and she just keeps raising the bar because she definitely had to raise the bar yesterday with some of those uh, nice horses chasing her. But, um, yeah, fitness probably just told in the end. Brad, she's now won uh, two group ones in the last three starts and, and run second in another group one. She's uh, obviously going 
enormous. At what point did you realise she was a Group One horse? Was it was it sort of you know earlier this year, before that? You know, when did you think, wow, we this girl's top level? Uh, yeah, look, it's a good question. Uh, I always thought she was around that Group Two mark myself, but um, yeah, I suppose when she went to Ramwick and she won up there at the Group 3 level, and she ran really good time. Um, very similar to Lost and Running on the same day, and, and obviously Lost and Running's running some of our better sprint races. So I thought, well, she's she's definitely got the, the class now, and she's running the time. And uh, James McDonald's probably got, a, a, probably got a thank for that because he always wrote her and said, I think she's more brilliant at the 1,200, so don't step her out. And uh, Kieran and Dave listened and trained her that, that way, and that's probably her strength. So I, although she won at 14 yesterday, I think she's much better at, at 12. Um, hundred and you know, hopefully we can now put a hand up and anyone that is listening that's got a slot, we'd uh, we'd all like one to go up to uh, the Everest at some stage and, and have a crack up there. And Brad, it seems uh, a, a mission that 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 has a lot of reality to it because she's the sort of mare she can lead. We saw that yesterday, but she can race just off speed, and that would seem the ideal, you know, map position at Everest. Follow that that that, that hot pace and get the right run, and as you said, at the right distance. So she does seem to, to fit well for, for an Everest. Yeah, look, I can see if she draws a gate, she could just uh, follow Nature Strip all the way, get it in, in his slipstream and hopefully pull out. And if it's a day where there's a chink in the armour, well, you know, she could put her hand up for sure. I, I, I think she's got the class. Um, you know, she's run the time, and now the record's sort of telling us that she's good enough for a crack. So, um, yeah, I think she'd be really worthy of a slot. Well, there's so many options too going forward, isn't there? I mean, she's obviously Magic Millions um, horse, and obviously she'd she'd be worth a fair bit now at the at the breeding barn. So you just um, you know you've got so many options, race options, you know, future options coming up in the next you know six, twelve, eighteen months, haven't you? Yeah, well, a mare like her, like she, obviously she won it this year, um, and she'll get into that race with sixty kilos, which is probably um, uh, thrown in again. So she'll be very hard to beat if we choose to go that way. Uh, and that was the original plan to head towards the Magic Millions again, but. Uh, now her form's sort of uh, gone to the next level. Mm. The Everest comes in in her calculations. And probably there's a... I know there's a new race on the radar up in um, Sydney, a $3 million mare's race, um, 1,200 over the spring. So Kieran did mention that the other day, that you know that might be a, a really nice option for her as well. So if she doesn't get the Everest, I'd say she'd go towards that. There are a lot of options. But, but Ben said to you before, you know, when did you think she turned the corner? Her transformation this year is quite striking. She was always considered a well-above-average mare, but for our listeners, this is the record this year. The Magic Minions race at the Gold Coast, win. A Group 3, a Triscade Randwick, win. Finished down the line in the Newmarket, but that race was a very strange race. Won the Group 1 of Sangster, uh, just beaten by Star Tottos of the Group 1, Tatsiara, and then going to the Wait for Age and winning the Group 1, Memsey, yesterday. Um, this has been a wonderful year, hasn't it? Yeah, look, and every start, look, really, the new market, obviously, you just touched on that it was a uh, funny race where she came down the outside and they just went too quick uh, and they all failed down there. So I think you can put a line through that. And Star Tontes obviously just got us late and we got softened up a little bit at the start. So arguably, she, our record could be a little bit better. But, um, yeah, she's definitely, uh, she's got the right racing pattern up on the pace. She makes her own luck. And I think that's a, that's a big key in these bigger races. Now, if it had been my birthday yesterday and I had a, won a group one, I reckon I would have been in the drunk tank for about a week. You're sounding surprisingly <laughs> fresh, Brad. Can you give us a bit of a take us behind the doors of the celebrations? You don't sound too too shabby at all this morning. No, I'm, I'm very good. I had to drive home from the races yesterday. We had a just a, a local family dinner at the pub in Williamstown, uh, my hometown. So 
Uh, it was very quiet, actually, very subdued for a group one. I suppose as we get older, we get a bit white, white. <laughs> and uh, we don't party as much. So, uh, no, it was uh, 49 years young. I, I suppose you've got to mature at some stage. <laughs> Funny part is, too, she's a six-year-old mare, but she's only had 20 starts. It, it, it underlines the, the management skills of Baron Eusis with this mare for certain. Yeah, look, I think they've got the key to her, you know, especially with the data they use on these horses. Uh, she's never been out of work for you know, since, as I said, last September. But she loves her races spaced and freshened, and you now she generally goes in with a couple of nice gallops, a trial under her belt, and she brings her A game. So I think they'd be too scared to put her out again. I'd say she'll stay in work until she's retired, um, you know, which well, could be next next year. But obviously, a form will dictate that. And there's so much good prize money on the track now. You know, do you do you keep her in work and keep aiming at, the, at those better races? But I suppose a form will tell us that. Yeah, you, you're right. The prize money is is enormous. But the, the the best part, from your point of view, and of course your other owners, is that there are so many options. She's not just good enough to be in mayor's company. She's good enough to tackle, you know, all comers. So a great few months ahead for you potentially. But if nothing else happens, they can't take away yesterday. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. There is Brad Spice, one of the owners of Snap Dancer, Ethan Brown riding, and Kieran Mara David Eustace training. They mightn't be the smartest trainers in Australia, but they're not far off it. And this, <coughs> Brad just made the point then that the data they have on these horses and it just gets the, 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 the dividends just keep getting paid all the time with, with the way they win these big races. Yeah, that was probably always going to set up fairly nicely for her with her. Um you know, racing pattern, I guess, that race, the nervous bit, I suppose, was going to be the last 20, 30, 40 metres. Uh, I thought it was a good race, David. On Thunderstruck was terrific in second. Um, Cascadian was, was terrific as well. Dragon Leap, who holds a, a Cox Plate nomination uh, for the Kiwi training team, I thought was good as well. Alligator Blood finished seventh, beaten five lengths, but uh, never got clear air when he needed it. And I suspect he was always a run short, um, you know, going into this as well. Even horses like Nonconformist from a Caulfield Cup point of view wasn't bad. I think the two big disappointments of the race clearly were relation. Um, I think it was struggling to breathe, which is an ideal for a racehorse. Uh, there at one point finished, I think, last. And Tefane um, seemed to get an OK run up near the yeah. and dropped out pretty sharply. Uh, agree on all counts. Uh, Tefane, you know, you, you start to, to wonder, but maybe one run shouldn't be sh- shouldn't be judged, but uh, Mears, if they don't, find their form you know maybe it's time uh, but she's done an outstanding job elation was really thrown in the deep end wasn't it? i mean when you consider those they were low-key wins they were impressive but this was a hold you ball game but even allowing for that uh, the run seemed too bad to be true beaten 10 lengths um i thought the run of the race from the future point of view was on thunderstruck love that that savaging the line you know only just failed two failed by half a length Step dancer was well back, you know, nine fifty down to six fifty at one stage. SP seven fifty. I think the general consensus was yesterday the the, the track was playing towards the rail, yep, uh, and uh, maybe on speed uh, because we were back in the true there yesterday. Uh, not every race uh, produced those results, but that was one case that did. I think maybe that was the reason for the backing. But uh, just to conclude on the race, um, uh, aren't they in a wonderful position? These owners, they are in the box seat. And she would be a worthy Everest contender. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, 100%. And there's plenty of slots still up for grabs. So, um, you know, I I mean, we sort of keep saying it, you know, every year for the last two or three years, I I guess. But particularly this year, um, you know, Generation Next is sort of becoming Generation Now, isn't it, with these sprinters? Mm. I mean, the older ones like Nature Strip, still an absolute superstar and a few others in that bracket. But, uh, you know, the emerging ones, um, you know, uh, like Snapdance, are very worthy of being looked at for a snot.
And as Brad said, there's a lot of prize money around, particularly at the uh, the, the top end, big prize money. But also, uh, mares, uh, potential brood mares are, are getting big money uh, over the last few years, for sure. Absolutely. And look, if you follow the headline horse alligator blood, I certainly started $5. I thought that was ridiculous odds, considering, um, you know, Adrian Bott was pretty open in saying that he was a run behind. They were meant to resume the PB Lawrence, but because of the racing ban, they couldn't. Uh, I expected Alligator Blood to start double that. So, look, and he didn't get the clearest of passages. I think up to the 1,600 metres with a run under his belt now and the Maccabi Diva, I certainly wouldn't be dropping off him. Let's go to our next feature, our next black-type feature from Caulfield yesterday. This is the McCafe Stakes, the old Heath, over the 1,100 metres. This was a terrific result for Queensland. In the boat and generation together. 450 metres to go approaching the corner. A length and a half red can man star patrol. The big names all up there. They were followed by the move at the 300 metres. Back behind them shooting for gold and then came little Stevie. It's generation. 250 metres to go just in front of in the boat. Then red can man who's full bore shooting for gold running on then star patrol. Generation 125 out shooting for gold is trying to pick it up. Generation shooting for gold. Shooting for gold. Generation digs in, shooting for gold. Has bowled them over. Big Generation, Star Patrol for third, I'd say. Followed by Curran, who was flashing home. Then in the boat, Red Can Man, not an option. Fortunate kiss the move, little Stevie. And bless her, has finished at the tail of the field. It all panned out the right way for shooting for gold yesterday. That's what he wants, cover and speed on. He got both and his class came to the, the fore. First past the post, Steve O'Day, Matt Hoisted, of course, in a training partnership. Damien Lane, a great ride. Matt Hoisted joins us now on Past the Post. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. Right, I'm enjoying speaking to you because every time I do, you seem to win a feature race in, in Melbourne. But I think yesterday would have given you great satisfaction that we saw the best of shooting for gold when the circumstances are right for him. Yeah, exactly right. It was, a, it was an extremely frustrating sort of winter carnival for this bloke. We... We know that the potential he does have. Look, he, he obviously does need need things to sort of go his way on the right day, and unfortunately, in those better races, that just wasn't wasn't the case for us there in the winter, and, and obviously similar in the in the Orish Star, uh, his first run down here, but it, it mapped perfectly on paper there yesterday with you know good alley, good tempo in the race. He looked to get the perfect run, and it was just going to be whether it was, whether he was good enough, and it was um, yeah extremely satisfying for the for the whole team and and his own, obviously Joe Rapisada for him to be able to. You know, really put his hand up on a in a really nice race, and um, yeah, just very very much proud of the horse. Now, Matt, you've um, swapped the baton with Steve O'Day. He was down in Melbourne, and you're up here, and <clears throat> you've swapped over. You're now down in Melbourne. So, being on track yesterday for the listeners, um, take us inside the stewards' room for the for the protest because uh, we knew there was a protest. We saw there was a bit of interference, um, but you know, I, th- I think um, people find protests fascinating. Was this one? Uh, quickly dismissed. Was there was there was there much debate on both sides? Give us a bit of a view behind the stewards' doors. Uh, yeah, look, obviously it's a, a a big race where there was interference close close to the line, so they they sort of had to fire in a, an objection. But look, it was I suppose nearly borderline frivolous. <laughs> I don't think I've been in a involved in an inquiry that took took such a short amount of time. By the time they that we left the room after giving our statements, were it was virtually, I think, not even a minute. We we're, were sort of called back in, so gave us plenty of confidence. We would have been pretty stiff to to sort of um, get it, but I guess there's always that that slight little bit of little bit of pressure. But um, no, was, was pretty confident that we would get the result, and um, yeah, thankfully we did. You're being very kind there when you said it was boring on frivolous. It was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, <laughs> one couldn't imagine 
uh, how they take that off. But anyway, it is what it is. You and Steve are playing a pretty clever game at the moment, keeping these good horses apart. So we saw <coughs> shooting for gold yesterday. We'll see Uncommon James next week in the Chautauqua at Mini Valley. And is it right that then shooting for gold the following weeks of the Bobby Lewis? Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, obviously we, we were sort of tossing up whether to, to run Uncommon James in the in the Bobby Lewis as well. But this was always the program that we did have mapped out for, mm. for shooting for gold. And um, yeah, we just decided to, to run, run Uncommon James in the... Uh, probably because he was so harshly uh, raided after winning winning the Regal Roller, he, he copped 11, uh, 13 points. Sorry for winning that, and he would have been similar under under the minimum uh, on ratings points. So if he was would have been able to win the Bobby Lewis, he would have been really harshly treated as well. So that's why we're wanting to go down the Chautauqua route, and the fact that 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 also opens up the door for us to to possibly run in a Rupert Clark if we're if we're still happy with him. That's uh, I didn't realise that. That's extraordinary. Thirteen rating points. Yeah, it's just because obviously their minimum down here. If if he would have when he won the uh, Regal Roller, if uh, if he was just say at his true weight, I think he should have carried you know fifty and a half kilos mm. or, so, or something along those lines. So the fact that he he was able to win and win with fifty four, they obviously rate him uh, on that, so they get get more harshly rated. So it's. Yeah, it's a bit annoying because obviously you have these nice horses. You want to try and bring them through the through the grades, but um, it's it's pretty hard when they want to penalise you so so um, yeah so strongly. So that's why we've had to go down down that sort of route, and um, yeah, hopefully it can can pay off for him. Just off the top of your head, so what's his rating figure now? Uh, he's a ninety-seven, so he should carry. I think he should carry fifty-five uh, in the Chautauqua. So. Um, just going on the off, off the table that they have down here. So hopefully he'll. Yeah, getting with fifty five, and hopefully if he can, he can win. He should just be, um, yeah, won't be sort of extra harshly uh, rated on the back of that, and and we can see him gain it, gain a start, and we'll still be sort of down pretty low in the weights in a mm. in a Rupert Clark. One from left field, Matt. Although I have raised this with you sort of privately before, if he happens to come out and blow them away in the Chautauqua, um, there's a fairly rich race in Sydney called the Everest. Now I'm assuming he would probably be in an ideal world twelve months away. Um, but there's still plenty of slots left. Uh, your horse is an exciting horse. Would you potentially entertain that? I'd be, be definitely have to consider it, as you said. I, I think he probably is still 12 months away. We have sort of been up a, up a while now, but if a race like that was to sort of come come sort of thrown at you, I know uh, my uh, my wife, Caitlin, would, would definitely be, be all for it. She's <laughs> with me she sort would. of private privately very much at a, at a joking level have always said yeah we'll, we'll set him for an Everest um, and yeah, now it's now we're getting closer who knows it's probably not completely out of the realm of possibility but um, yeah look obviously the horse would come first and, and um, you know we would have to just see how he how he sort of he's pulling up the first things first we've sort of get get through these next two runs and um, but look if he was to come through in in really good order uh, yeah wouldn't um, wouldn't completely rule out the, the option anyway. Makes it tricky doesn't it uh, for a horse like Uncommon Joe and tricky for, for people like yourself and Steve because if you're not a nature strip or, a, or you know, an Eduardo and a short of a start, you can't really plan for an Everest, can you? Because you're no guarantee of getting in. You've got to, you, you've got to be, be asked to go in or a slot holder to pick you up. So, you know, there would probably be a change of path if that happened. But just with shooting for gold, he goes to the Bobby Lewis. Will that be the end then of his Melbourne campaign? Possibly. Um, yeah, look, we're, me and Steve sort of had, had a little bit of a chat about this a while ago. It's just sort of hard with 
a horse like him, obviously he's a Magic Millions horse, so he's got mm. the option to to sort of you know come back home and maybe have have one run and go into the the Magic Millions sprint, or, or whether we actually had a bit of a bit of a chat, something that me and Steve had had a talk about and had a chat to Damien after after the race as well, and, and whether a race you know like an Oakley Plate or something for him mm. would be the fact he's got around there could still get in low at the weights, you know high pressure race. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of bit of thinking between me, Steve, and, and sort of his owner, Joe Rapisada, of, about what we sort of will do going forward. But, um, yeah, at this stage, the plan was just to stay for the uh, Bobby Lewis. But, um, yeah, if he was to, to win that, well, potentially may need to rethink again. But um, we'll just get through that race first and reevaluate. And just briefly and finally, throwing forward to Saturday again, there'll be a real um, <clears throat> Queensland flavour in the Chautauqua, won't there? Obviously, Uncommon James will be the headline act, but Prince of Boom... Uh, we'll be resuming in that race as well. You would have seen a fair bit of that horse racing in Queensland for Rob Heathcote. Yeah, for sure. He's obviously a yeah, extremely exciting horse as well. It's um, great for, yeah, I suppose for the whole of Queensland racing to have, have horses good enough to be able to be competitive and not only competitive, but, you know, being able to do the job down here. And obviously, um, you know, it's, it's really exciting time of year to be down here and you know, really great for us to be able to promote sort of racing up in Queensland and show that we're sort of our better ones are, you know, well and truly up to them down here. Well, you and Stephen, your owners, uh, plotted an ambitious agenda. I think it's great that it's panning out uh, already with two two big wins on the board there. Hope it continues and always appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for this morning. Cheers. Thank you. Matt Hoisted joining us this morning. Uh, shooting for gold, who is probably a bit harsh to say a one-trick pony, but he is a little bit one-dimensional where he needs the cover, uh, needs the speed on. But one thing, because this will bore you, so you can tune out now and I'll just talk to the listeners because it involves times. Yeah. I was going to say you bore me generally. So. Uh, well, I know, but even more so. Uh, I remember when he won his maiden at Doomman and I said to Steve O'Day, I said, I've never clocked a horse run a quicker last furlong for a long time, like you're in about 10.7, 10.8, which... Rarely horses will break 11, uh, rarely, for the last furlong. But it just showed he had that really good turn of speed and that's you know, obviously still there as he's matured. And again, not overly raced, uh, well-managed, 19 starts on the board down for eight wins. And gee whiz, wasn't there money for him? I mean, the official flux are only nine fifty and $9, but I think uh, there was $17, $18 available, you know, in the days leading into mm. it. So uh, he was obviously strongly fancied by quite a few. Generation protested unsuccessfully, but was good. Star Patrol had to, to race hard on speed. A bit off the track was good. In the boat, looked as though it needed the run. That was a, 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 an opinion that had been floated before the race, and Red Can Man looked disappointing. That was the McCafe. Let's go to the McNeil for the three-year-olds. This aft cabin had a big boom on it, ran $2, but this winner is a very good horse. 350 metres to go and it's squad from Dormier, Lincoln Square. Then he's heaven. Now half cabin's trying to get a run. It's just about through now. And then came Jack and O. Squad, 200 metres to go. Half cabin's out. He's heaven and here's Jack and O down the middle. Half cabin joined and headed by Jack and O. 100 to go. Jack and O moves up, takes the lead, storms away. Jack and O by two legs. Half cabin, photo third, Tijuana. He's heaven. Then Atlanta's tycoon and squad from Superset. Next to finish in the race, Crosswinds and Zambagini, a gap to Dormier, man in the mirror, Lincoln Square, and Maximilius at the end. These big stables are starting to get their big guns out, and uh, Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. unveiling Jack and O for his first three-year-old run yesterday, and uh, you had to be impressed. Yeah, the penny looks sort of dropped. I mean, he always... What does that mean? Well, it means that he's realised what it's all about. But uh, what the penny... 
Well, it's a bit like sort of racing sayings, isn't it? I mean, what about some stupid racing sayings? Or oh, whatever beats will win. I mean, yeah. You serious? <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Anyway. What's a penny dropping? Well, I don't know. It's <laughs> just one of those sayings. It annoys me. Uh, anyway, look, he clearly had, um, well, I wouldn't say untapped potential, but, um, you, you know, outstanding potential as a two-year-old. But, you know, it was just slow away. You know, his racing pattern didn't help. But um, certainly looks to have put it all together. But I'll tell you what. Wowee. What about the run of... Tijuana in yeah, third. Because you backed the No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Well, you did, didn't you? Well, that's, yes, got nothing, you did. that's got nothing to do with it. That's got absolutely nothing to but do with it. But you liked the run. Well, it was a huge run. Do you agree? Yeah, it was From very, the Caulfield Guineas point of view, and I think you can still get 30 good. to 1 in the Caulfield Guineas, so the listeners should you, have something you've been on checking, obviously. immediately. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no disagreement there. But the but the winner is good, and I heard Michael Kent uh, Jr. after the race, and a, a typical or a classic case of a, a good two year old who has the break and furnishes well physically and mentally. And um, as he said, he said with this horse length and stride, he said watch him hit the line. And we saw that yesterday. The, the favourite seemed to have every chance off cabin. As you said, Tijuana was good in third. That was the McNeil. Let's go to the the Cockrum. So many good horses. Resuming for the spring. Well, this was considered one of them, passive aggressive, and backed off the map. Black figures to red. Ran a dollar ninety. It's in front. Five hundred meters to go. It's passive aggressive from Flying Mascot Hellfest. Then jump the broom. Pride of Jenny. Further back, kiss on all four cheeks to the turn from Chain of Lightning. Then Zuzarella Isotope. She's all class. And further back, Frontari Terami, a graceful girl. Passive aggressive held together. Two hundred and fifty meters to go. Given her head. Two lengths. Flying Mascot. Chain of Lightning down the outside from Kiss on all four cheeks. Passive aggressive. hundred and fifty to go. But Chain of Lightning's coming at her. Passive aggressive grabbed by Chain of Lightning who goes on by and Chain of Lightning won it from flashing home she's all class a photo third kiss on all four cheeks or passive aggressive who just didn't quite put them away and then came flying mascot pride of Jenny Zuzarella Isotope and Terramir from Throntari graceful girl jumped the broom and Hellfest a long last it was a good day for Peter Moody and Jamie Carr winning here with Chain of Lightning remaining unbeaten five from five and Three from three this campaign. Passive-aggressive. Looked to be going extra well. All of a sudden, just, just folded the tent. Yeah, it was an interesting race, wasn't it? But doesn't this chain of lightning keep raising the bar? Now, would you believe it if I told you this horse debuted at Inverell oh. uh, under Sterling Osmond on New Year's Day this year? You could have got $6 at Inverell in a $30,000 maiden. Uh, one, went to Armadale. In a class two, you could have got three dollars seventy at Armadale in a class two in January, and now, uh, eight months later, winning a Group Three race at Caulfield—quite extraordinary. Exactly was their other winner uh, earlier in the day was very impressive. This former Kiwi, I wish I win, a heavily backed three seventy to two ninety. Fair to say the pace was really good for a gentleman. Roy and Buffalo River ran it at a strong gallop, but when this unleashed, it did finish like a shot out of a gun. And worth pointing out, times. 124.36 compared to Snapdancer, 124.38. So that's saying something for a horse who was only having its 10th start yesterday. Yeah, and its first horse in Australia, uh, sorry, first start in Australia. So clearly only going to get better for that experience. Let's go to our final replay from Caulfield yesterday. This is the listed Heatherly, the last race of the day. Many considered Jimmy the Bear and no effort would control it up front. That happened, but it wasn't the result of the end.
No effort, stoked up now around the corner with Jimmy the Bear in hot pursuit on the outside. 250 metres to go and it's Jimmy the Bear up to no effort. Then Barbie's Fox Desert Icon. Emissary's getting through and Shiraz right up on the inside. Plenty of hopes here. They've got to Jimmy the Bear. Emissary driving through with Shiraz. Emissary just in front of Shiraz. Emissary won it. Emissary a half Shiraz. Jimmy the Bear then Adelaide Ace. Next Luna Flair. Further back was Chapata and Desert Icon. Then slicing through late to Shan Sweet Jr. Further back in the field then Delphi Barbie's Fox if I haven't already called it. And then came Team Captain No Effort and at the end Trolley Rose. They probably went a bit too quickly up front here but it certainly suited emissary for the Moroni stable. Joe McNeil riding. Former European gallopers. Only been relatively lightly raced by the stable but uh, certainly uh, hitting its traps winning first up. Yep, uh, terrific first Australian win for this horse and a real, uh, not a tearjerker, but a real bit of emotion to end the day. Mike Moroni uh, sadly lost his father last week, Denny. Um, he went home last week uh, to mourn his passing. His father lived to the right, right old age of 93, so I'm sure his dear old dad would have loved oh, seeing that win. Exactly right. Well, there was Mimsy Stakes Day at Caulfield yesterday. We go to the Valley next Saturday for the Fian. Let's go to Rose Hill Gardens yesterday. We had a 10-event card with two Group 3 races. Let's go to the up-and-coming over the 1,300 metres, and Kaboo was the $3.50 favourite. So Kaboo swings in front, staying well off the fence. By a length and a half on Voldemort. Basquiat's running on. Ringmaster back to the inside, and then came Charlatan. It's Kaboo at the 250. Three lengths clear from Basquiat. Then came Golden Mile, and further back to Charlatan. But Kaboo's well clear inside the last 100 metres. And Kaboo's going to win the up and coming stakes by a big margin. Golden Mile second, Basquiat third, followed by Ringmaster. Then came Lethal Thoughts from Charlatan, Voldemort. And Williamsburg was last in. Kaboo, uh, never in doubt. First out and first home. Let's have a chat with co-trainer Adrian Bott. Adrian, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Impressive. Really never looked like losing. Yeah, look, I was sort of pretty pretty confident with him sort of after that first up run. I thought it was an excellent return. Um, yeah, I, I know he went round favourite in the Rosebud. Um, and, and sort of I, I thought he ran an excellent race there and wasn't sort of quite disappointing. I thought once we got out these sort of ideal conditions for him um, would see sharp improvement. So I was, uh, yeah, very, very, very satisfied to see him take that there yesterday. He's got an unusual sort of style, doesn't he? Like he, he races with his head head high and he sort of runs about in the straight. Is, is that something you just work with or do you want to iron that out or, or you just, that that's, is who he is? Yeah, look, I, I, I obviously, um, you know, still sort of being lightly raced and, and probably just doing it all still on sort of raw, raw ability. Um, it's good to see there's still a good bit of improvement there. Um, yeah, he's, he's just going to take a bit of racing, I think, for it to all, all, all to fall into place. I think we're seeing good improvement in that regard each time that he each time that he steps out. Uh, but he's going to, yeah, yeah, look, it's going to take still a bit more bit more work. It won't sort of happen overnight with him. But um, you know, I, I still think that's sort of, I guess, sort of the exciting part for him, sort of going forward and even you know another twelve months time, sort of thing. Reagan Bayless controlled it well up front from, from start to finish. I, I haven't looked at the Stewart's footage, but just looking at the, the lateral shot, it's a little difficult to work out, but it looks as though he deliberately kept a path well away from the rail all the way round. Yeah, I, I guess jumped from a, a wide gate there, so that sort of just allowed him to sort of um, sort of flow into the race from there and, um, you know, there's no rush to sort of get to the fence, particularly, yeah, I think, sort of by that part of the day, I, I think sort of it was a bit of a clear pattern there that the fence... 
Mm. Uh, even sort of fencing running wasn't really where you wanted to be. So, uh, as I said, he was sort of quite happy to keep him out there, sort of keep him into that um, rhythm, keep him flowing. And, um, yeah, I, I think it was probably a bit easier for him just to keep him on that line and keep him balanced around that around that turn. Um, yeah, another thing, I guess, sort of with, with those sort of greener horses, not easy sort of coursing that sort of path for him down the, down the middle of the track um, as opposed to sort of having the fence and, and the running rail to follow. Um, yeah, so it certainly adds a bit, bit more merit to the performance. But, yeah, definitely just out there looking for the better part of the track. He's now a $11 chance in the Group 1 Golden Rose, which is still a little way off. It's, I'm assuming that's where you would love to get him? Yeah, most most definitely. Uh, look, I think that's a good, um, you know, immediate sort of big target for him. Um, always sort of had that race in race in mind and, and most likely through through the Ming Dynasty to get in there. Um, again, for a few of those points we just spoke of before, just, um, you know, the horse going into the group one now, he's, he's probably still, um, yeah, still just needs that little bit more racing, a bit more seasoning before we sort of throw him in, in, in the deep end. So the Ming Dynasty might be able to do that for him. Um, still would love to see the horse over a bit further later on. So, so still just want to keep something hopefully up our sleeve um, and, and look, look toward getting to um, a race like the Spring Champion, testing him over 2,000 metres, I, I think it'd be excellent at that trip. Alligator Blood was officially beaten five lengths of the Memsey. The margin's unfair, though. I'm not saying he would have won, but he didn't have the best of paths in the straight. Yeah, Damien, Damien uh, gave some great feedback on, on him and, and felt, uh, felt an excellent run. And, yeah, he, he, he probably felt, had he been able to sort of get some clear run and some momentum and, and, and work into the race when he wanted to and needed to certainly would have been um, a lot closer and, and in amongst the finish. As you said, the winner was too good there making their own luck and, and I don't think that would have had an effect on us either way. But um, still a, a pleasing return. Um, you know, obviously sort of we had to make adjustments in, in the preparations there, um, getting him to, to the race. Uh, but I thought he raced, raced very well. Fitness was very good. Um, yeah, he worked, worked home nicely considering and, um, yeah, I, I think he's on target to to, Im, to improve sharply for the next next start. And yeah, it's a good run, sort of on the path that we've got him. So I, I think he'd be suited stepping out to the mile there next start, and, and, and looking forward to it. So that's obviously the Maccabi Diva um, we're talking about. He started very firm in the market yesterday as five at a, as a five dollar a chance, which sort of surprised me a little bit, considering I thought he might be sort of half a half a run short. And you obviously missed that run in the PB Lawrence, so. Uh, as you just alluded to there, that's you, I'm imagining you could expect this horse to take significant improvement out of that run yesterday. Yeah, certainly. Um, look, I guess maybe um, you know, horse of his profile and, and so much attention in the media, it's sort of um, you know wh- wh- whether that sort of always affects the price, having him sort of well in the market or, or, or not. But you know, he's yeah, you know, he, he, he was excellent through the winter. He, you know, he won a, he was jumping from a you know, from a Group One handicap to a Group One weight for age. Um, yeah, so it's different different ball game in that regard. Um, yeah, and, and he was first up. He, he improved sharply off his first up run there in in, in the Queensland campaign. Um, you know, from the Group One into the oh, sorry from the from the Group Three run into the uh, into the Stradbroke itself. So um, yeah, there, there, there's certainly if he's on that pattern and, and that path, well, um, there's good improvement there, and um, you know, certainly enough to see him being competitive at that at that level and, and hopefully sort of winning a, another Group 1 race at, at Wake Frade would be fantastic. He's got a great second-up record too. He's had six goes second-up and he's won four of them. So that's a stat worth keeping in mind. Just before we let you go, tell us about some of the other big guns coming up in the next few weeks for, for Waterhouse and Bot. Yeah, looking forward to next weekend, actually. There's, there's a few sort of um, 
first up and, and, and resuming. Um, so, look, not necessarily sort of um, their, their targets first up, but looking forward to kicking them off. A uh, horse like Converge, he'll, he'll, he'll resume in the tramway. Um, obviously, sort of looking through races such as sort of George Main, Epsom, um, Golden Eagle. Um, so, important run for him to, to kick off and should be pretty hot, hotly contested tramway um, on Taunt Knight's order in the uh, in, in the in the Chelmsford um, again, sort of kicking off distances well short of their best, but um, yeah, looking forward to seeing them back. Uh, Silent Impact should be back at the races for us, um, and in in Melbourne, in the Congo, resume and in the in the McEwen Stakes, um, and, and most likely going to sort of remain in Melbourne for a couple of those feature sprint races. So yeah, some important ones kicking off, um, and hopefully sort of sets them up nicely for their for their targets. Great report there. Thanks, Adrian. Good work yesterday. No, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us on the show. Adrian Bott joining us, part of the, the training partnership with Gay Waterhouse and Caboo, totally dominant. And, and of course, there was a, a sensation at the start when Conqueror was scratched at the barriers here. Yeah, and um don't think it would have troubled Caboo, though. I mean, Conqueror was no. well fancy, but the way Caboo won that race, I don't think anything would have got close to that horse. Let's go to the San Domenico. There was Queensland interest here with Natuno resuming. It was a $6 chance, but best of Bordeaux, plenty was expected of this first up, $1.90. They straighten up now, and it's Cannonball in front from Swiss Exile. Two lengths away to Sweet Ride. Then came Rise of the Masses, best of Bordeaux, and Spacewalk down the outside. Sweet Ride and Swiss Exile. Spacewalk went into lane again, and Natuno's getting the gap. It's Sweet Ride just in front. Sweet Ride from Swiss Exile. Then came Natuno and Spacewalk, and Sweet Ride. Courses an upset in the San Domenico. Won it by two lengths to Natuno and Swiss Exile. Followed by best of Bordeaux. No luck in the run. Followed by Promito hitting the line well. Together with Bonus Notcher, Spacewalk, then Rise of the Masses and Zuccarino. Sweet ride for Annabelle Desham, Chad Schofield. Uh, yeah, as Darren said, an upset, but not a total upset by the market anyway. 31 in from 51, but got the job done. I suppose when a roughy wins, it does cast some sort of shadow on the form of the race. Well, I have absolutely no idea what to make of this race. I think it's it's there's more questions than answers going forward. Yes, good win, sweet ride. Uh, let's have a look at some of the runners. Natuno, I thought, was very good. Um, mm. You know, didn't win as a $6 chance, but, you know, first time sort of away from home, had a little bit of a checkered run, seemed to settle okay, not perfectly. Um, you know, ran on nicely. Swiss Axile was, was good. Spacewalk ran on well, but gee whiz, that, that horse does, you know, a lot of things wrong. Best of Bordeaux. What do you think? Well, I know Darren said they're... Uh didn't have much luck in run. It was three wide with cover. Um, I think the, the initial surprise was when they jumped away, it was back midfielder a bit worse. I think many were expecting to be on pace. I thought there might have been a bit more run on in the straight, considering the margins almost four lengths. Well, it was a weird, weird run. It was a weird, weird race. I think best of Bordeaux, anywhere near his best, would have picked most of this field up and did set, slaughtered them. So I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, Zuccarino as well was pretty well fancied, ran last so mm. I just don't know what to make of this race I think we're going to have to just watch these all, all these horses at their next start and we'll have a better idea then I do think the two know was a good run though we're now totally confused about that race let's think about it while we take a break <laughs> and hopefully we come back with clearer minds to look at Eagle Farm this is past the post brought to you by Archer Park Racing taking racing ownership to the next level
If you want to find out what's happening with Archer Park Racing, go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. We'll be talking about Archer Park Racing very shortly as we're about to review Eagle Farm. We'll go to race eight. This was the most interesting race of the day. It saw the return to the racetrack of It's Me and also Far Too Easy. Far Too Easy was the better backed out of the pair at 2.25, but It's Me, she had supporters as well late, ran at 3.60. Soon afterwards, far too easy on the outside. Dashed up to Vast Carver. Red Ruby coming through on the inside. It's me running on fairly. Far too easy, no good thing. Red Ruby, a serious challenger. And look at It's Me right down the outside. It's me flashed home and got up. It's me. Back of the winner's list. Beat Red Ruby, Vast Carver, and far too easy. Peak late. He was disappointing. Then Grey Defence, followed by Cecil Street Lad, Liza with a Z, Paragord and Mornay last over the line. It's me, uh, that typical brilliant finish was uh, seen to advantage and it was a great return to the racetrack yesterday. As we said, she started 360. Ben Thompson rode her. Brett Kavanagh's the trainer. He's our next guest on Past the Post. Brett, good morning. Morning. How are you? I'm well. And for you and your owners, I'm sure, a very satisfying result yesterday. Yeah, it was great. You know, we uh, <clears throat> always got a high expectancy when you've got a filly with a rating like that. But it's... Just to, you know, like the the probably the general general public are thinking, oh, it's good to see her back. But I never had any doubt um, with her three runs in her previous campaign. We knew she was flying, but we just nothing panned out for us. You know, first start in the race, first start back, she went to Randwick and uh, and it poured rain, and there was a horse got hurt behind the gates, and they were they were actually behind the barriers for 40 minutes before the start, and. And Jason just let her roll around. Then she was great down the straight to Flemington. And then she got caught wide here, and um, and uh, we pressed on to the lead, and and so be it. So then obviously we just pulled up stumps and, and thought, well, we'll come back and focus around uh, focus around the Sydney Carnival. So, having said that, Brett, you said after the race yesterday it was uh, maybe D Day is too strong a word, but you did say yesterday there was you just wanted to see her come back and do it because there was some chance that she could potentially want to be a broodmare rather than a racehorse? Well, two tendons, Ben. You know, she's... Um, every every run's a last run, sort of. That's how you got to treat it. So you've got to be bang on. Um, and if you notice her action yesterday with Ben, she was under a little bit of pressure when she got to them horses and then she changed stride, you know, and running 10 after the furlong change in stride. They can stretch a few muscles, but... Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, she's got value and we're right on top of a breeding season. If it was, you know, in the middle of the breeding season, I probably wouldn't even made that comment. But when breeding season's about to start and you've um, you've got a valuable mare like her. So that was always in my mind. But, you know, she got the job done. So, anyway, that's history. The breakdown of her times is impressive. Her last, uh, say, 800 metres, every every 200 metres, 11.22, 11.19, 10.56, that's between the 400 and the 200, in home at 11.3. So she's running at high speed from start to finish there. Yeah, she was, She sort of got the first one. She was a little bit, got the first one a little bit easy. Really found out where he wanted to be at the back on her. And, but her sectionals um, rewind the clock uh, two years ago leading into when she won a Cosicotico. At Randwick, she won two uh, on the trot before she went into the Kosciuszko. Her sectionals were better um, than the horse that come out and won the Everest. So she's always had, you know, she's always got figures. A lot of people work on figures. 
I'm like training the horse, but if you look at the figures, you know she's she's probably an elite sprinter. She's obviously now the six dollar equal favourite for the Kosciuszko, which is a two million dollar race. But is there anything left field? I mean, is there anything? She's obviously very very good. Um, are there other big targets potentially in mind for the for the sprint? I look. I, I she'll probably go to the shorts at her next start, which is Group Two. And that's a bit of a crossroad again. Um, why do we go to the shorts? Well, even though she's, you know, almost a million dollar earner, we probably want to put some black type alongside of her. Um, and her figures, time-wise, are good enough to go to a shorts and be competitive. If she won the shorts, well, I don't know how many slots are left in the Everest. So you, you just got to play the game with a horse like her and make sure she's 100% when you go to the races don't leave anything in the tank because you know you're mindful of the tendon or whatever like she was wound up for yesterday don't worry about that she might improve a bit but you know she was she was wound up and I said that to Ben you know she can run sectionals and um, just give her a chance to run and go back and, and then let her get home you know so but yeah look uh, probably shorts um, Kosciuszko would be what you would think she would end up but if she come out and won the shorts and done something pretty special she could end up in an Everest you never know Brett, just take us for, for our listeners, because time flies. It, 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 it seems a long time ago since she won the Kosciuszko, but it was 2020. But just tell us the history of the injury she sustained. Well, rewind back to when she was a two-year-old. Um, she stretched her tendon and we had her rehabbed. Um, Sam Lyons rang me and said, how much ability has it got? And I said, look, it'll, it'll just win a two-year-old race anywhere we take it. So we rehabbed her. And uh, I got her back 12 months later, and she went one four on the trot, including a Kosciuszko, and pulled up. Um, to the eye, she was probably one out of five lame, and when we scanned it, she had a hole in a tendon. So the first one she done was down low, and then the second one was up high. On the same leg, she's she stretched the tendon in two spots, and she's been rehabbed twice, which the first one was probably by the time she got back to the races was probably 10 11 months and and the last time was very similar so we come back this come back and and had a look at her and uh, and i said we'll just replicate what we done the first time so she rehab come back i wound her up and then spelled her and then we done the same thing again and last prep and then obviously we had them three sticky runs through wet tracks and pretty ordinary autumn so um yeah, two injuries on the one leg is pretty amazing. Mm, certainly is. Now, we've had the report on the horse, Brett, and I want to report on you. You've been up to some pretty funky stuff. You've gone over there to Thailand. You've come back a new man. I think you're six or seven kilos lighter. You've been boxing. You've been doing hot yoga. You've been doing all sorts of things. Tell us about it. Yeah, look, we, we went to a camp, and for all the listeners, anybody that's, you know, it was a, it was probably a reset for my wife and I because you're so consumed with, with horse racing seven days a week and, and rearing four kids, so... Um, I said to James McDonald one day, I said, when you find a, one of these health resorts where he goes and loses a bit of weight and keeps himself in order, I said, well, I can take my wife. Let me know. Anyway, he rang me about three weeks ago and he said, I found a ripping place in Phuket. I said, oh, yeah, and he explained it. No sugar, no meat, um, no alcohol, clearly, no bread. Um, and it's cheap as two to 400 bucks a night. I think it was 400 bucks a night for two of us. Um, so who goes there? A lot of people go there. There was a guy there sold his business for a lot of money. He was there to lose weight. He's lost 40 kilos. There's men and women that, you know, have marriage breakups for, 
for reasons. They go there, they've got a bit of head noise, they just get a bit of counselling and they actually get fit, go for walks, there's a bit of hippie stuff goes on, a bit of breathing exercises, breathing classes, they were very interesting. <laughs> do they let you watch the races? Can you still watch the races over there and have a bet? Or do you have oh, to stop punting as well? Yeah. You are in a third world country, but you're not that removed. You've got internet, <laughs> so you can... Um, you can you can watch races and do what you like, but obviously your day starts. You you have a chart where you you kick off your day. So when you walk in, they go right. What are you here for, Ben? He goes, I want to lose ten kilos. So they put you on a diet. Um, you have black coffee and water in the morning. Go for a walk for an hour. Come back. You might go to a hot yoga session or a muay thai session or a stretch session. Um, there's uh, actually I didn't realise, but ice baths. Um, the guy that lost all the weight, lost a, weight, a lot of weight in the ice bath. He's in there for up to 50 minutes. And how does that work? Well, when you get in there, you, you're all cold everywhere you think, but then your body takes over and it wants to burn the fat to create that, the, the heat to stop the cold effect in you. So that's another way of losing weight. But um, pretty interesting place. I recommend it, you know, any young couples or whatever, people that just want a bit of a health check and a reset their life a bit. Um, it's pretty special. Hey, Brett, for, for someone who's tried many, many times to diet and failed miserably, what happens, though, when you come back? Do they give you, like, a plan to, to, to maintain what you've done? Yeah, exactly. They, they want to stay in contact with you and, and do all good. that if, if you want to do that. Um, well, yesterday was pretty easy. I think I walked out the gates of Legal Farm and ended up at Bar 150 or whatever they call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's deep probably, place. The way she's going, I might be due for another reset. I might be back there in a few weeks. <laughs> but definitely you feel healthier and, and a lot brighter. Well, what do you do when you go on holidays? We go on holiday. We, You know, first thing you do is you start eating rich food and you drink a carton of beer and a bottle of wine. You know, six out of the seven days you're away. Well, you don't come home and fly out of bed. You, you feel like crap, you know, whereas when we come home from that, you know, it's, yeah, I just felt like getting out of bed was a bit easier. 100%. Good work yesterday, mate. Very satisfying result, but we look forward to watching it during the spring. Yeah, good ride, Benny Thompson, too. Thank you. Good on you. There he is. Brett Kavanagh joining us with um, winning with It's Me. And it's quite, you know, as I said, to, to stress the point, very satisfying considering what they've gone through with this man. <laughs> I've just got this mental picture of you at this health resort drinking black coffee and not eating meat and walking up mountains and hot doing yoga. hot yoga. Hot, a hot yoga session. I reckon hot yoga would be your go. What about when he said when you go on holidays, you, you drink a, a card to be on each Well, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be holidays. <laughs> but I will say this about him. I saw him yesterday. He was walking around with a spring in his step and lost a bit of weight, so yeah. good luck to him. Um, far too easy, I thought, a little disappointing considering it loomed to win, looked like it was going like the winner and then just peaked late. So uh, the only conclusion you could draw uh, visually was the need of the run. Yeah, the only thing was I spoke to David McComb going into the race a couple of days earlier and the one thing he was worried about was, um, you know, the firmness of Eagle Farm. Now, I'm not suggesting it was ridiculously firm yesterday, but it is a noted, you know, it's it's a it's a generally firm track, isn't it? So, look, I, I didn't talk to him after the race, um, but that was the one thing he was worried about coming in. Yeah, fair to say yesterday too at Eagle Farm that the, the pattern of racing suggested coming up about six or eight away from the rail was the, the lane to be in because nearly every winner, whether it be leader or, or off speed, came through that, that part of the track. OK, Chris West, I know you've been waiting to listen to this race. Let's hear spiritualised win. They took him on. $2.10, he went from red figures to black. Here's the replay. 
and spiritualises nicely clear of its rivals. Fire Love's immediately under pressure. Princhelar's running on fairly. Down the outside, Utah Nash, and even now running on as well, but spiritualised. Short of 200 left to run. He's a mile in front, and at this stage, they're making no impression whatsoever on spiritualised. And the spirit of Boom Collar's going to do it again. He's pretty good. Spiritualised all the way. Beat home. Prince Shalar and Master Showman, Uncommon Valor, fourth. Then came at the head of the others, Utah Dash. Fire Love couldn't come on. Then even now, Mr. Encore, Hulkamania, Rubunka, and a long margin to Little Miss Honky Tonk, last over the line. That was uh, a big margin. Uh, time was good. He hasn't put a foot wrong, this horse, Spiritualized. No, that was easily his, his best win, um, wasn't it? Now, this horse, I think, has just got Magic Minions. Uh, Carnival written all over him. He's a Magic Minions buy. That Gold Coast track, you would imagine, would suit his racing pattern. So not sure what they'd do with him, but potentially put him on ice for a while and, and you know, well, I don't know if there's one more run. But, um, yeah, I think he's a Magic magic Minions horse through and through. Um, it was interesting, wasn't it? He eased from $1.70 to $2.10. So there's plenty of punters who were happy enough to take him on late in the piece, but he just gave nothing else a chance. And I suppose it was a bit of an insight, wasn't it? into how highly Tony Gollan rates him, that he did have him entered at one mm. stage to race in the San Domenico up against, you know, this, the, the you know, highly rated stable mate in the two-no. And he did tell me, Tony Gollan, about three weeks ago, there's actually not a whole lot mm. of difference in, in rurability between these two. So that's interesting to, to you know... Fairly certain, certain they worked together on Tuesday and, <coughs> and there wasn't much between them. But, again, a case of a, of a, a cult who the, the connections had high expectations of... Uh, his first campaign, he was beaten both times by Jamelli and looked to have every chance both times. But again, they have the break, they mature, just like young kids and, and you know, physically and mentally. And he's come back a, a whole new, uh, or you know, stronger and better horse. And he could nearly be unbeaten in four runs this time. And the only time he was beaten, he was beaten by a half nose. Oh, stop it. I was you all, yeah, please. I was anyway. Honeypot can just go away, honestly. Good, good luck to the Archer Park team because they've got a nice cult here. And... You make a good point too. A lot of options looking forward to the, the summer, but particularly the Magic Millions. Let's go to Morfordville yesterday, the Leon McDonald Stakes. The third running of the Leon McDonald was the feature, and the favourite was trained by Leon McDonald and his son in law, Andrew Lewis, Dallas Ann. 475 to go and Jarmint the inside. Second Zula, so say Angel and Just Folk given his cue. Dallasan two lengths off Just Folk pulling to the outside. What's he got? The champ, he's starting to stoke up. Just Folk reaches the lead at the 200 metre mark. So say Angel getting through. Zula still there. Dallasan trying to lift out wide. Omo back to the inside. Dallasan, the crowd are cheering. Go Dallasan, go. He looms up. Omo goes with him. Dallasan's going to do it. Dallasan going to do it for Leon in the Leon McDonald stakes and the crowd roar. Seconds of photo, Just Folk or Omo. Then next dimension, further back on the outside, Extreme Thrill. Further back, Grinzinger Star. Then Jar Mint, Agreeable, Zula, So Say Angel, Master Chum. He read the script. He delivered the goods. Yeah, he certainly did and he he needed to win. He, I think the last race he won was the chairman's as a three-year-old, I think it was Anzac Day 2020. But in fairness, he hasn't missed a big dance uh, since. He's been in every big race around Australia. I think he ran third at a Queen Elizabeth, fourth at a Queen Elizabeth, earned almost half a million just by running placings. But uh, yesterday, things didn't really pan out for him in the middle part of the race. He was pushed a bit wider and he had to sustain a long run, but he got the money, had to 
uh, hold the result of the stewards' room as well. So it wasn't plain sailing for the team, but in the end, a very fitting result with uh, with Dallas Ham winning the race uh, named after his trainer. Yeah, absolutely. He hadn't won in officially 28 months. That's a pretty long drought. Um, but in that time, well, in his career, uh, 10 top five Group 1 finishes. So, look, when he retires, we're, we're not going to remember him as a, a star or a superstar. But, uh, gee whiz, you'd like a Dallas in, in oh, your stable, wouldn't you? Exactly right. He's been a great money spinner for the stable. And Leon and Andrew, of course, won earlier in the day with Courageous Heart. So it would have been a big day. I know last night it was the awards night in Adelaide, so I'm sure the old general enjoyed the night. And we'll try to have a chat with him tomorrow morning on, on press room. I'd like to have a, have a conversation with him. Let's uh, wrap things up. Let's go to Cairns. They had a big crowd there yesterday for the Cairns Cup, and here's the replay. Into the straight, Namazoo at the front and went for home. Namazoo cleared out from Macaroo. Play Me Now is running on. At the moment, though, it's Namazoo in front. Play Me Now coming. Run Namazoo clear. Play Me Now is there trying to pick it up, but it's all Namazoo. He's out on his feet, but he's going to make it. Namazoo! Namazoo wins the cup. Play Me Now. Arctic Wolf third and maybe Southern Swing. Star status. Planet Warrior, and uh, they were followed by Rule the World. And then came Macaroe, South Pacific, Quality Asset, Bullion Ruler. Uh, back behind them, Bullion Wolf. And they were followed by Fast Train in the last one in Louis January. Yeah, the favourite went badly, Louis January, but Namazoo beat them pretty comfortably. Bubba Tilly riding, and most of those will back up in the uh, Cairns Amateurs Cup in two weeks' time at Cannon Park, but uh, Namazoo too good for them. Yeah, and kept it in the family, so to speak, uh, Bubba Tilly. Of course, his uh, partner, Alex Pattis, won the Townsville Cup on this horse mm. uh, the previous start. So, uh, terrific win. Always like seeing Bubba winning a race. He's a good man. Yeah, very hard worker. That's past the post for this morning. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm actually just briefly going to um, take my family and my beautiful kids to see Leah Kilner this afternoon and Love her... her uh, a little dog, so really looking forward to doing that today. You have a good day. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning. Folks, hope we have your company tomorrow morning for Press Room as well. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye.